This is episode 230 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome back to the show. Today I have Ben Julius on and Ben was on the show back in the fall of 2022. We talked about his Airbnbs. We talked about the developments that he has going on. And for those of you who haven't heard that episode, I'll summarized by saying Ben just absolutely crushes. He goes out there, he takes on monstrous uh, objectives and tasks, and he he goes at them and meticulously works through them. So uh, Ben is notably a developer in Hamilton, Ontario, and he's also looking to expand that internationally. We uh, spoke about his different developments that he has in Hamilton briefly in this episode. Uh, We also talked about them in the previous time that he appeared on the show. But what we really dug into on this episode is mindset and catalysts. What are the catalysts for change in your life? Like we've got people who listen to this show who have been listening episode after episode and haven't yet done anything with it. And the cool thing about today's discussion with Ben is why does that happen? What is it that it takes for somebody to have happen to them? What what has to happen in your life or what has to happen in your mindset in order for you to do the things that you know how to do? Because let's face it, if you've been listening to the show, you know, if you've gone through the early episodes and you've gone through the recent episodes, you're going to have a very good base of knowledge. You're not going to know everything. But for many, that's enough to take action. Some that's not. And why isn't it? That was a really good discussion that we had here today. And uh, I think you're going to get something out of that, regardless of whether you're absolutely crushing right now or you're still trying to force yourself to you know, get off the sidelines and, and get into the game. Uh, I think there's something here for everyone in learning from Ben's wisdom. And we had a very good back and forth. Um, in addition to his episode uh, on the podcast, we actually recorded an REI hot seat episode right after our recording here and uh, that's actually already up so if you'd like to take a look at us breaking down one of Ben's development deals and just how much profits on the table there uh, definitely check out that episode it'll be the most recent post as of the time of the posting of this podcast so just before we jump into the episode I'm going to remind you about the GTA West REI meetup that's happening monthly make sure you're in the group so that you can come and network with myself and other like-minded investors and help learn and grow together Um, highly recommend that you take part it's uh, it's always a great time and uh, it's completely free to attend. Now let's go ahead and jump into episode 230 with Ben Julius. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I got Ben Julius back on the show after not that long. Uh, we got cut short on the last one, only talked about vacation rentals, not enough development. So here yeah. we are again. Yeah. And we're going to do a REI hot seat episode after this. So I'm excited. Yeah. So lots of Ben Julius content uh, <laughs> oh, right? man. all in one day. And then we're going to do our golf weekend. So. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's the fun. That's the fun time. Yeah. There you go. So uh, Ben, let's recap. Where were we last time? I, you know, just for anybody who hasn't watched the episode, give them a quick uh, elevator spiel of uh, so, who you are, what you do. Uh, last time, well, Ben Julius and uh, been in real estate for about seven years now, and we've kind of organically led into development projects. And last time we talked about one specifically, we were had two under uh, on the on the go, 
and now we're you know full on bore with with three major developments going on in Hamilton, Ontario. All Hamilton, yeah. I think yeah. one was Ancaster, right? And then one was Ancaster. We are uh, in negotiations on moving that one right now, but selling it, right? Yeah. You know, we always plan like that's our one of our exit strategies. If we have the offer that we want, mm -hmm. then we're we're willing to to get out of it. Um, Everything's for sale. Yeah, always, yeah. always. And I think sometimes people don't realize that, right? And they yeah. hold on to it too long and whatever, but everything is always for sale in Except our integrity. world. Except <laughs> <laughs> integrity. For many it is. Uh, for, yeah. that, that is very true. Yeah. So yeah, and then we have, uh, I have um, a great one we'll talk about on the, on, on the RE, REI hot seat uh, later on, the yeah. McNabb project. It's quite interesting. We purchased it at 91 units and, and now we're at about 141. Um, yeah. Just based off you doing highest and best use strategies. So you're approved so, for that. For that. We are going back for approval for it, but okay. we're not changing the exterior of the building or oh, so going within up the existing within the existing footprint. So it's just it's not a matter of going through a whole new site plan. So mm -hmm. it's an interesting concept. So yeah, interesting. See, now I'm just going to want to talk about that. We might have to do a different one on <laughs> always. That's fine. Yeah. We could do that. We could do that. So yeah, yeah. Okay. So I mean, my recap on your stuff is uh, in the development world, you kind of hit the ground running and then move very quickly. Mm -hmm. Where I think a lot of people, you know, stay in that little playground of flips, burrs, yeah. you know, single family home investment, maybe get into a fourplex. You're just like, nah, I'm gonna go right for it. You know, mm -hmm. my life has kind of always been like that. Mm -hmm. And like it kind of, I'll take you through how we really got into um, development or how we, I started out in real estate and, and where I was before that. And I think that kind of sets the tone for how I run my business. Um, well, you did say your coach, right? You spent some time with an NBA team in Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. 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 So I have a strong competitive background. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was a time in my life where um, it wasn't great. And mm -hmm. 2015 was a very tough year for myself and my family. And um, my family being my my support group because at that time I wasn't married, didn't know my wife existed. Really? Yeah. Okay. So didn't have kids. So um, it's crazy to say. Think 2015 is it seems so close, but it was eight years ago, right? Yeah. That that eight years flew by. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'll take you a little bit on that journey. So we December of 2015, I lost my job, and I was heartbroken because it was all I wanted to do was coach and and teach and, and do things. And, and um, it just wasn't the right place. Where was that? This was, this was in Olds, Alberta uh, at Olds College. So okay. small agriculture school. Uh, we were ranked top 10 in the country. Um, we were seven and one and we were hosting provincial championships. And okay. I had a national championship goal for my team. And yeah. we were really good. And that was always the goal from day one. And um, some things got derailed uh in probably want to say november um and december we parted uh, myself and the administration administration parted ways um it was really really hard i had no intention of getting into real estate at that point uh you know i wasn't making a lot of money uh, so i didn't know what to do i had nothing no idea what was going on in my life what i was going to do next I mean, I always had a sales background, so I knew I'd find a job somewhere, but um, I was in an extremely, extremely dark place and moved home and lived with my parents back in Ontario in Kitchener at 35 years old, $50,000 in debt, couldn't even afford a car, 
mm-hmm. moving in with my parents' basement. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it was, you know, there was a time where there was a night before I moved back home um, that I thought to myself, like, would I would it be less of a burden on my family if I wasn't here? Wow. Right. So nobody knows these things really, and I thought that you know it took me about eight years. I look back on it, and I'm now comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a catalyst in my life that I said, "No, I, I would be if I were to leave this planet. My my mother, my father would be heartbroken. Mm-hmm. My brothers would be devastated." So you know, came home, got a job, um, started my life all over again. And, yeah, and and I met my wife uh, a couple months later. Once I was home and in a bit of a better place because my parents are. Are, are gems like the my mom would sell everything she owned for her boys and, and my obviously my dad as well and um without them i would have been homeless and not know what to do yeah so they opened their doors for me and, and it was it was a fantastic opportunity to restart i'm very fortunate and grateful for them that they gave yeah. me that ability to restart not everybody's parents are like that and um so i was able to restart get into a bit of a better place so i was still Still was, was not happy, right? And not a lot of people know. Like I always put on a front. I always, mm-hmm. you know, I'm that happy-go-lucky guy. And um, uh, you know, my mom always said I can, I can fall in a pile of crap and come out smelling like roses. But that's on the outside. The inside, yeah. there's a lot of dark stuff going on. And um, I met my wife, and she literally grew flowers in the darkest part of me. Like hmm. opened up a whole new world for me. Um, I don't tell her that enough probably, Yeah, uh, but she did. And, you know, we, six months later, we bought our first house together. Uh, and it wasn't me cause I, there was no way I was qualifying. Yeah. So I had brought a little bit to the table, but she brought, brought in the most. And that started our whole real estate journey. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was still, I was working a sales job that I wasn't, she knew I wasn't happy at doing. Um, it was miserable doing it. I didn't like that every time I would do a sale, I, the the ownership group was like, "Okay, now you have to do more and more and more." Yeah. There was a lot of pressure, a lot of a, a lot of stress, and uh, so I've always wanted to work for myself. Yeah. Um, we were we were you know driving along and heard something on the radio. We went and checked it out. Did a three day course. Joined a group. Mm-hmm. Leveraged everything we had like we went into major debt to join this group and i'm a big believer of you have to pay to open some doors right yeah sometimes you you really got to take that leap of faith right Mm -hmm. and it's interesting you you know you talk about that like dark moment man like i've had them i've had multiple times in my life where i was just like rock bottom or Mm -hmm. felt like it was yeah and those are the ones that they propel you to make a change and they they'll they'll do you know when i went back i went back to western and to teach right around that time because my early real estate wasn't a success story right it was like you know failure here failure there lose money there (laughs) yeah like there were some wins but they were like the wins were very minor and then the losses felt big and uh, yeah and we all we never talk about the losses yeah we don't talk about them enough i've talked to them uh, ad nauseum but (laughs) wait i I think i think we but a lot of people do not want to right i think we we don't want to dwell on it right Right. i think we talk about the numbers of the losses yeah but we don't really go into the psychological part of the of the yeah. loss where what it does to you for a couple of months afterwards does it right? do that to everyone i think that it's it like there, there's different. a point like where you get where you know that a loss is just part of the game for sure yeah i mean and being a coach 
I always yeah. learn more from losses than than wins, right? Yeah. You hit the, you know, you lose. You know, if you lost by one, that's my fault as a coach. Mm-hmm. I did something throughout the game that that could have been one more point. Could have been one more point, right? But you you always learn more from a loss. I don't think that's different in real estate. I just think it still hurts, especially when you're dealing with some yeah. big numbers. Oh, yeah. So um, my thing was the catalyst for me was that one night. I I never ever want to feel like that ever again. Like that was the darkest of the dark, mm-hmm. and um, you know it only lasted a couple minutes, but it was still mm. it was still it was still a thought, right? And I've never ever told anybody that. So everybody's listening is going to get to yeah. get to hear that, right? So I think it took a long time to come to to terms with with that for me, um, and very grateful for everybody who helped pull me out of that. But uh, you know, so my wife, we joined real estate group, bought our first duplex. Um, you know, we started that whole process of the multifamily and the you know, the, the burrs and, and all that, that stuff. And I found that as the prices rose, the burrs weren't working. Right. And the, the stresses of being a landlord were, were hard. Um, yeah, you know, you're not a fan of that, right? No, I'm not. No, I, I honestly don't really like it either, but there there are ways to make it okay. I think like I would be, I think the biggest thing for me is that in the province of Ontario is that people do not have to pay their rent. And that's the hardest thing Yeah, Ontario adds a whole level of stress. It's like, here's the game and you have to have your angle on that game because if you just go into it like yeah. if you're just like john homebuyer decides to buy a rental property it could be a bloodbath big time it could be an absolute bloodbath big time and you know like i can't go into a grocery store fill up my cart and walk out and say hey i'll get you next month oh yeah that that right? that part's insane but um i've kind of reserved myself to it's sad but i've reserved myself to like there's a good portion of the population now that is either immoral, amoral, and or crazy. Totally. Immoral, amoral, or crazy. Totally. And there's <laughs> a lot the of that. That's the best way to look at it. Yeah, that's, and I... It's totally. And I was at... I think the first time, like, I guess I lived in a, a cave or a bubble because I thought people were genuinely good mm-hmm. in general. And I still do believe that to a degree, but I didn't know the other side of it. And I think it was like 2016 when it was like the Trump versus Hillary thing. And I saw like people who like i used to be friends close friends with like turn on me and yeah. just like yeah just attack me viciously like like something like a crazy person i'd never seen anything like it and uh so i've gone through like for me i've gone through stages of depression like pretty much my whole life mm-hmm. and like the thoughts you talked about when i was a kid i actually had those because i was like just bullied in elementary school and stuff yeah. and like i had trouble back then but uh that that really started a kind of a cycle of like you know dark spot you know come out of it dark spot come out of it mm-hmm. and uh i you know it's just something that i think a lot of people deal with that yeah i mean there's a great you know tough times make tough men mm-hmm. right uh weak times make weak men yeah. and, I, and 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 i'm not just saying men i'm just saying people tough times well, make tough is people. Right. man is the race right <laughs> man is both we, we man is male all. and female <laughs> right, we go, right so yeah but um yeah. i think that you know, it was like my parents came from a generation where it was get a job, have a pension, have money for life, you know, those things. And I think a lot of Canadians, and this is where, you know, you and I see a lot eye to eye about cross-border, right? Mm-hmm. And the the mentality of Canadians is a lot different. I got to ask this question yesterday on a phone interview. Mm-hmm. Um, do I bring a different perspective to the U.S. being a Canadian investor? And I'm like, well... 
That's not, nobody's ever asked me that question, but I can mm -hmm. tell you that the mentality of Canadians is mediocrity, right? We're okay oh, with, very. With, with, medi with mediocrity. Whereas in the US, yeah. they want the jet. Oh yeah, yeah, like pe people are ready to go for it down That's right. there. Yeah, for sure. That's right, we're I, very risk adverse. Whereas, as in general, as a people. Whereas yeah. the US is population who, like that gap between the have and the have nots, mm -hmm. is, it just grows and grows and grows because people take risks to go get it. Whereas in Canada, that yeah. gap isn't as big because you know we, we're content with, with what we have. And I yeah, think so the baseline, is, the baseline in Canada is maybe a little higher. I don't know, it's hard to say because the baseline is skewed in the US by the really high performers. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But the average uh, person in the US is, is probably not as well off as the average person in Canada. No, 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 yeah. not at all. My uh, but mom, but my, that doesn't necessarily make it better because I, I, in my mind, you can have two mentalities, a winner's mentality or a victim's mentality. Mm -hmm. And you can apply that to the people who are in the winner's category and the people who are in the loser's category and the mentality will match. Yeah, it, mentality is a huge thing. Um, I got to ask this, that question, what's the difference between mindset and mentality? Mm -hmm. And it was, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting way to look at it. And I'm like, at first I'm like, well, there is no difference, but there is. So your mindset should always be to win, mm -hmm. right? I, you know, I'm in this life to win mm -hmm. because it's going to knock you down mm -hmm. and knock you down and knock you down, but you got to get up and keep going. But your mentality changes with the environment that you're in, mm -hmm. right? So for me, I have a mentality, a mindset of always winning and accomplishments mm -hmm. uh, and, and getting where I need to get to from point A to point B the most efficient way possible, right? How am I going to win along that road? Whereas the mentality will be, you know, in certain groups, I'll be a killer, right? Yeah. And other groups, I'm gonna kind of scale back and listen and and look. And I think that you know sometimes we those lines get crossed of of my um, people think that the mentality and mindset are the same. Well, you know, you're a product of what environment that you're in, and you know that's why everybody always says your network is your mm -hmm. net worth, and you know all that fun stuff. But um, I really think that if you can't change your mentality with the groups that you're in, you're going to struggle because some groups, like I can have a way different mentality when I'm down in a group in the US versus in a yeah. group in Canada. The things you'll say. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I, I'm known to press the boundaries a little bit. Well, yeah. but. <laughs> exactly. But that's why you're, yeah. that's why you're, you're successful because you haven't, yeah. you, you will press that. Whereas a lot of people are like, well, I'm okay with my, you know, nine to five job. I have my pension, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I can I can pay my mortgage. I have car payments. All yeah, these things. I just things. don't get that. Me either. I just don't. I don't get because maybe it's because I can see the bigger picture. Like I just see that it just flat out doesn't work. And I've been able to see that since I was like a kid. Yeah. I, I my parents arguing over the dinner table. I'm like, this is what education gets you. My dad was a school teacher making an arguably good salary. I'm mm -hmm. like. Then why are y'all fighting about money all the time? Exactly. I mean, like, yeah. talking, well, not fighting, but like, discussions, we, you know, discussions. Like, oh, we can't afford that. I'm like, whatever this is, uh, check check me out. I'm I'm not doing it. We never took yeah. family vacations. I mean, sorry, that's a lie. We took a lot of family vacations, but we never went anywhere exotic. We never went on yeah. any cruises. We never went on any, you know, um, all inclusives because we had three boys who all played hockey. Mm -hmm. Couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. right? Hockey's expensive. And Thunder Bay, when I grew up in Thunder Bay, it, it wasn't just a straight direct flight. It was go to Detroit or go to Minneapolis or go to Toronto and then from there, right? So it was along all that stuff. It was more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we never did that. And and I mean, that's okay. But I always want I always wanted more. 
right? Yeah. And um, I'm willing to take the risk to get more. And I think, you know, we talk about your why and everybody is, I think people are superficial about their why when they talk about it. Oh, my kids. Oh, I look at my kids and that's my why. Or my parents, I want to help my parents retire early or or I want to retire early. That's not your why. Man, your why is a lot. It's a it's lot deeper. It's yeah. deeper. It's darker. There's some truth in there that, that you're not telling. You shouldn't tell people. Yeah. That. Like, you know, I kind of introduced my why to you and everybody listening today was that I never want to feel like that again. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't, I don't want my kids to have to feel like that. Yeah. I don't want anybody that I love to ever mm-hmm. have to feel that what I felt. Um, but I'm willing to make that change. I'm not going to dwell on that. Like your yeah. winning, winning mentality versus your victim mentality. I, yeah. I for a brief period, I was a victim, yeah. and then I yeah. clicked out of that in the past. Yeah. But you know, I think that's it, it's important to acknowledge that. And and my why is dark. Sure. Do I want my kids to have an unbelievable future? Hundred percent. Yeah. Do I want my kids to have more opportunity than I did? For sure. Yeah, but it's that it's that thing like what will make you pop out of bed even when you don't want to. Like what will make you uh, do that? And, and doing things that you genuinely enjoy enjoy doing helps. Mm-hmm. But if you can, you know, get really clear on that why, it helps even more. The only person that needs to know your true why is you, because mm-hmm. you you can disappoint your wife, your kids, your mother, your father, everybody. But the person you cannot disappoint is a person that you're mm-hmm. staring at in the mirror. Yeah, because that's the truth. Right, yeah. and if you don't have that truth, you're you're going to struggle on those days, mm. the days that you know it's a little bit colder in the morning. I don't want to get up out of bed. I don't want to go do yeah. this. I'm, you know, my kids are off at school. I got a couple yeah. hours here. I'm going to sleep in a little bit longer. And, mm-hmm. um, for me, that's easy to do sometimes. And it's mm-hmm. you know, what is what is lacking when your motivation is gone? You got to have the discipline. Yeah. If you don't have the discipline, the motivation means nothing. And, you know, as you, you have a young one, I have two young ones, they're draining. Mm-hmm. Like you, like it's tough, like to, to get up and, and go to work and, and sometimes, or it's tough to get to the gym and, and, you know, work out a little bit or, or eat healthy sometimes, right? Like all those things take discipline, discipline. And I, I could, I'll be the first to tell you that I waver a lot. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife the other day, I was, I need your help. I need you to hold me accountable for the way I'm eating. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, and it's direct correlation with my energy levels. Mm-hmm. So she gave me crap this morning for what I was <laughs> eating. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think that is all kind of all of those lessons have, have taken me into, you know, having nothing to over $200 million under management. Nice. Yeah. But yeah. So 200 under man- management and, and you're referring to development projects. That's right somewhere within the process of acquisition to uh, entitlement, which would be your zoning and mm-hmm. your plan amendment to site plan approved. Yeah. Yeah. So we have one that's site plan approved. Okay. Um, right now we have one that's getting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like very, very You're, close. Are you doing a zoning amendment or is it? The Ancaster properties is zoning amendment. Yeah. And the other ones are within zoning and now site plan approved. So mm-hmm. um, quite exciting stuff. A lot of dealing with the city of hamilton is you know it's challenging at times and it's it i think that it's a big city mentality right yeah yeah i think that you know but everybody has that the same the same issue if you want here here's what i've just noticed because i've dealt with 
on the development end because and I never really talk about my general contracting company, but you know I, I get kind of involved in the end parts of site plan approval, some of the, the you know the checks and balances that are associated with that. Yeah, and the small towns like the one I'm dealing with is like it's a lot more fast and loose. Yeah, and I've heard this from many investors. You go to small towns and it's just like well. Yeah, I think we could get behind that. Like, you know, it's like a conversation, a handshake, and all of a sudden you got something on the, uh, you know, in motion. Yeah. Whereas in a big city, it's like, well, we'll circulate that for all the departments to give formal feedback, and then you know we'll have a schedule a meeting with you, and mm -hmm. you know, you'll have a written uh, list of requirements, and and they don't miss anything, right? Like even on some, something so simple as like building per permit plans, like in like the city of London, every single plan. Every single page has a stamp, has little notes from the plans examiner. Small town, you got three pages, don't even have a stamp on them. Yeah, like, yeah. Just, <laughs> just like, you want to bring people to our place? Sure, let's yeah. go, right? And yeah. I, you know, we talk about the housing crisis in Canada all the time. And, and this fact mm -hmm. that our province wants to build 1.5, or the country wants to build 1.5 million homes by 2031. Not happening. Not happening at all. I actually just posted a video on on my uh, or a hot seat channel yeah. talking about why this won't work. Well, it's in interest rate geared, but I kind of touched on what's wrong with the housing uh, market and I posted on that. Like, it's so simple if they want, if they really want to solve this problem, it is so stupidly simple. Mm -hmm. Just cut the damn taxes and cut the red tape and let the free market run. Yeah. Prices will naturally get driven down because a whole bunch of people are going to flock into that market and start building houses. It's supply yeah. and demand. It is. It's a, the the market knows best. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at that, the market knows best. Governments waste. That's yep. all they do. Yeah, they just waste, and they waste other people's money, what, money and time because they don't care. Nope. Like they, you know, have a coffee. You know, it's a government job. Like I can't tell you how many yeah. times we'll get an email back from the city at like four o'clock on a Friday of a long weekend. Yeah, because they don't want to respond to it. Mm -hmm. Or the whole clock, the clock thing. Um, London was notorious for this. They, you know, they do their their plans review. They have a two week deadline to respond. And um, they'll just, oh, that I is missing the dot on it. Uh, so clock stops, uh, send us in the revision with the dotted I and, uh, and then we'll, and then it's like months of going back and forth. Hey, when, when are my plans going to be approved? Ah, oh, we have other ones that are on the clock. I can't give you a date. Okay. Well, I'll follow up with you tomorrow. And that's I'd be it. like on them yeah. every other day and it'd still take months. No, that's, that's the way it is. It's, you know, it's crazy. And, and what they're doing right now with the whole new build 23 is they're just saying like the counselors and everybody are just saying, I defer, I defer, I defer. Or you got to go. We deny. We deny. And you go to you go to LPAT, and it's yeah, because the passed. cities don't want to don't want to okay Bill Twenty Three, right? Like they're not really playing ball with it. No, they're not. Yeah. So it's interesting because in the last, I think it's the last three years, City of Hamilton has a ninety seven percent loss rate at LPAT. Oh yeah. So when they challenge something, LPAT just slams oh, it down. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. over one hundred and seventy six cases. Mm -hmm. So think about that for a second, about $150,000 every time you go to LPAT, right? 150? Yeah, because you have the lawyers on both sides. So the losing team has to pay for the lawyers. So, so City of Hamilton's been you paying might not, that. You, got, you have to appeal to get that money. You probably will never see that money. Yeah. But in theory- The losing that, side those, is supposed to pay it? Yeah, those 176 cases that they lost cost the city $150,000 a case. That's $26 million. Yeah. Oh man. That's crazy. 
We could get real deep and philosophical about this. <laughs> Maybe not today. Maybe not. Today. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of uh, you know we we started out and I realized you know very quickly in a short period of time that I can go big, go bigger, go bigger, and I think that my catalyst has always portrayed that as like okay, I'm constantly spinning my wheels with the cities on basement conversions on you know duplex yeah triplex fourplex conversions it's why not do it with a monster right do it with a monster and yeah. so that's kind of what the mentality was yeah um obviously it's a way different game when you get into zoning and site plan but but you're hiring professionals that are like experts so you're getting like a university education in this process totally. by getting to like tag along and be the fly on the wall i just last week yeah. i was down with my architect for about four or five hours we 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 were rejigging some some of the stuff and it was great like just to see them operate and, and hear them talk and the language and all those things like you just learn uh, if you're going to go into a situation with like a sponge mm -hmm. you come out like you said with an education you didn't pay for yeah yeah i look at it um uh, like i brought an old friend into my organization as uh in, in a role that he didn't really have a background for mm -hmm. And uh, I started him off at a at an hourly that was much less than what he was making in his previous career. Mm -hmm. and, but for him, it's basically like, and he didn't put it in these words, but I, I know he sort of semi-agree if I said this, uh, it's basically like he got paid to go to school. Yeah. And that's a great feeling. Like if you can get paid a little, this is why I don't agree with minimum wage, because there's people out there that just want a few bucks and they want to learn. And uh, they'll have the better attitude, they'll crush, like they'll get it done, um, you know, a different discussion but that you know that eliminates an opportunity so i really do think that that's a big thing like mm -hmm. be that fly on the wall going through these processes is amazing because now think like after you go through this 10 times you could probably general contract that process yourself if you wanted i would never but yes yes <laughs> but you'll also be able to do you'll have this sense of when you look at a deal you're like well i know they're going to do this this and this that's right this looks like it'll work that's right your whole yeah. your, your whole criteria you'll of how understand. you evaluate deals yeah. changes yeah, right. you'll, you'll understand what's a winner or a likely winner versus mm -hmm. what's a likely loser. And you'll save yourself millions totally. by not doing projects that you, you can see, you can foresee a snag because you've been through this process five times. Well, I'm start, yeah. one of the things I'm starting to see right now is why there's not a lot of mid-rise buildings being built in Canada. Mm -hmm. It's too expensive. Mid-rise. So you're saying it's either high-rise or low-rise? Economies of scale. Yeah. Um, mid-rise or, or... What would you define as mid-rise? How many stories? Eight to 15. Eight to 15, okay. Six to 15. Mm -hmm. um, I always wondered why they didn't go taller in Toronto. Like why they didn't go like New York style, 100, 100 stories on- The city denied it. city doesn't allow it, right? No. Yeah. You know, like in Hamilton, they happen at 30 because of the escarpment. They don't want anything going above the escarpment. Gotcha. Right? Like I was down and I took my, I took my architect and my construction managers down yeah. in New York last or two weeks ago to check out this the expandable living system that we're going to put into our building it's called the ori living system it's unbelievable um makes a three a 400 400 square foot bachelor apartment feel like a 700 to 800 square foot place yeah. with multiple functioning rooms right it's funny that you said i've I've spent like many nights in hotel rooms in new york manhattan yeah. and just what they do to make the tiniest space like Crazy. just cool like it's innovative that's yeah. for sure so yeah. we um and we just we walked around and now when you walk when you get into this game 
you, you look at everything differently. It's like when you buy a new car, you don't think those cars exist. And yeah. all of a sudden you see them all over, yeah. all over the world. Like your brain starts to process mm -hmm. information differently. Like when you want to, if I want to go get a pair of Air Jordan Nikes, I'm going to see them on everybody because my brain is telling me that you want those. Mm -hmm. You Your eye picks them up, right? Yeah, Tells of course. You that stuff. So it's no different. Like I'm, we're walking around, we're just like looking up at the architecture. I'm with my architect. They, we had a meeting. They actually there was a, like a walkway. They went and like critiqued the whole walkway and how it was built and all these things. And it was pretty cool to see how these guys operate. And you actually look at buildings differently. My construction managers were walking through a building. They're they're opening up service doors to kind of see where they put mm -hmm. electrical and all all these things. So it yeah. was it's it's cool to see them peel the onion. Yeah, every, everyone looks at it a little different. And then all of a sudden, like, your eyes start to look at it. Oh, yeah. Right? So, you know, it um, it was a it was an enlightening experience that we had with them. Uh, and it, it, it it's going to transform, I think, the way that condos are built in Canada when, when we do this. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think more people need to apply this. Like, what you see happening in a market that's further along typically will come to your market eventually. Like, the pricing in London. I, I used to always <laughs> say to people, you know, like, like, how long can it stay this way? Like, right. London's a deal. And as it started going up, you know, it, it, it did make sense, although I was very disappointed. Uh, but one of the things that my business plan revolved around was advertising to people in Toronto to buy my student rentals that I was making in London because yeah. to them, the relative price point was so low. That's right. And if we can look at a city like New York and say, well, why wouldn't Toronto eventually go here? I mean, there's obviously differences, but, you know, reasonably it's it's getting to be equally unaffordable. That's right. Uh, if anything, maybe New York, by the time you figure out how much people make there, it's maybe a little bit more affordable. Uh, plus they have a lot of rent control. Yes. Um, but... I uh, yet yeah, you don't want to be a landlord in New York, New Jersey, California. Worse than well, California. You think California is worse than worse than Ontario? I don't know. I, I've I, heard I that California makes that. Ontario look conservative, or sorry, uh, Ontario makes California look conservative. <laughs> the, the reverse. Well, maybe I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I just heard that those are the like if you're going to invest it, in the U.S. Yeah. as multifamily, right? Those are the three states you want to avoid. Generally speaking, well, okay. So New York City is different from New York State, though. Yes. So city, have. the city has its own set of rules, That's which right. is a lot more protective. I, I know guys who invest in the state and like it. Mm -hmm. So it's not not bad at a state level. That's what I've heard. Uh, not that yeah. I can speak from experience. I think I saw a, yeah. a stat yesterday or the other day that Toronto is now number nine in the world on affordability, like lack of affordability. Like and most unaffordable. And then, yeah, mm -hmm. you, I think you got like Melbourne or something in there. Yeah, Sydney, like, Sydney and Melbourne, yeah. Australia are like yeah. three and four and... Because uh, the salaries just can't justify it. At least in New York, you've got some people making like literally right. hundreds of millions. And, that's right. And they kind of, it makes that city seem a little bit more affordable. But as a dollar per square foot, it's obviously much more expensive. Way more, way yeah. more. But it, again, like you said, they can it's afford it. Some of them can afford it. Some right? of them can. The rent control ones, yeah. You know, different different combo for sure. But, but uh, like, let's just go big picture on your current strategy mm. and see what's changed. Um, when we were off camera, you mentioned the Airbnbs are out of it. Like, yeah, you're, you're done so with that. We have them on the market mm -hmm. uh, right now. Um, it just takes a lot of time. And, you know, you have to equate dollars and cents to the clock. If you don't, mm -hmm. you're going to struggle. Um, we don't want to run an Airbnb business. That was at one point the goal. Yeah. But then as the developments kind of expanded, yeah. our eyes expanded to different markets, it was like, where is our best mm -hmm. where's our best time served? 
Yep. Not in our Airbnbs up in Muskoka. No, right? that could be nice cash flow, but there are a lot of time, right? There are a lot of time. And, and you know, and it doesn't, I don't, I'm with you there. I don't think it makes sense to get into any real estate venture for one or two. No. Yeah. Especially on the small stuff, big stuff, maybe, but like no, on like, the small stuff, I just don't think so. No, at one point, like our, our whole goal was to have 10 Airbnbs up in Muskoka and have a full on mm-hmm. Airbnb business. Well, you have to be able to to change your goals as your business progresses. Well, you're learning, right? That's right. You're learning what what works. Like we were talking off camera about the camp that that I bought uh, with uh, my partners in uh, 2021. We now have nine employees. I think we're at right now. It actually changed. I don't even know how many we have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had one one let go, but uh, so nine employees. We're up to like. We're going to be up to like 25 to 30 listings, Airbnb. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and then we got another resort. So yeah. we're we're adding those in. And it's just like before we knew it, it's not real estate. This no. is an organization. We yeah, you, yeah, you've now got into a hospitality business. Which we knew. We hired for it. Mm-hmm. But we do need, there, there's work to be done. Like we're, we're all kind of, you know, wearing the chief operating officer hat, you know, hat, which we shouldn't. And we need to hire out. So somebody listening to this who's, uh, you know, thinks you're qualified and uh, you are interested, hit me up. I know the partners. They're all good guys. You'd mm-hmm. enjoy working for them. Oh yeah, it'd be a fun role. It'd be yeah. it'd be a good role. You'd, you'd have a good time. But yes, time. That we didn't want yeah. to run a small business, mm-hmm. and and I think that's where we were like, okay, my wife is on mat leave. She's doing all the Airbnb bookings. She's like, I don't want to do this anymore. No, fair. Well, and when you break it down to what you make in in development, it probably you probably don't need to no. right. And I think so. For a lot of people, you need that now money, the medium money, and the long money, and development's more long money but if you have multiple in the pipeline and they're maturing at different times now all of a sudden you have all three needs covered yeah and you and you yeah. know in order to run the projects you have to take a management fee so yeah. my company takes a management yeah, fee you're to telling run, me that run the development so that it pays salary pays my employees pays myself yeah it allows me to so live. you're getting paid you're getting paid the whole way through you by structuring to. in your own management that's fee. right and yeah. if you don't you know it was funny because Kyle Ford was, was one of my partners on one of the developments. And he said to me a couple of years ago, and this always stuck with me, is that if you work for profit, you're going to be poor. Hmm. Because we know six months before we get that money, how much it is, or relative, six months, maybe three. Um, and you spend it in your head before you get it. And then it's gone. Right. Yeah. And I never understood that really until he told me that you're going to be poor if you continue to work for profit. So in every project I did, even the small ones, I built in a little management fee to pay my bills so that I yeah. can survive. I can take my wife out to dinner. I can do these different things. It's just so tough, man. Like even with our camp, like all we've done is pay the fucking thing. Like mm-hmm. that's it. Like we, yeah. we, we put the money in, we... <laughs> We put more money in and that's, and it's like i feel like that's the life of an entrepreneur startup like totally we yeah. never listen i didn't take a dime of my my yeah. own, my real estate venture money until yeah. probably about four years into yeah it. like i just we couldn't yeah right like properties weren't cash flowing mm-hmm. you say you in your numbers they cash flow but they don't right like yeah. something comes up you got to buy a new stove you got to get a new paint or you know your property management a little bit more expensive, yeah. whatever it may be, right? Like snowstorm, you got to pay for, you know, snow removal three times instead of once. It just <laughs> just adds up, right? And those are the yeah. little things that we're like, I don't want to deal with that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so we went higher. Bigger. You're bigger, yeah. But mentality wise, 
I find this commonality and I'm sort of finding a way to ask this question because I see a pattern. Mm-hmm. The people who do the big stuff, it's not like they knew something that the people who didn't do the big stuff knew or didn't know. You just did it. Mm-hmm. And like, so Nick, we both know Nick and yeah. Nick's one of those guys, like the, the Texas self-storage development was a huge play, not just because it's Texas and it's giant self-storage at like, what is he, what's the first one? Like 22 million final, yeah, final value. And so it's not just huge because of that, but it's huge because he had to raise like $3 million in 90 days. Yeah. And he did it on like his Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Right. And which if you met Nick, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that he would go raise $3 million you wouldn't in think 90 that. days. I know, I've known Nick for many years and he never did but, anything like that. But he just did it. And then he just one day just decided, okay, well, I guess I'll just figure it out. And the thing that's very clear about Nick's mentality is like, well... You know, I, I'll just figure it out. Yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, he's awesome. I love yeah. him. He's great. Um, but yeah, so it's you're right. You just you don't think about what can go wrong. You think about what can go right. Yeah, and you mitigate the wrong. Well, and and people will will uh, take as much time to do a task as they're allotted. So mm-hmm. if you give yourself That's X right. number of years to acquire X number of units, you will take those years and still not re- reach your goal. That's right. And if you give yourself, you know, to the end of this year to do X goal, you know, you're probably a lot more likely to get it. Uh, so I think I think setting close goals is, is important, but taking it the step further is you set the bridge on fire behind you so that there is to. no turning back turning back and that's the painful and stressful part that most people aren't willing to do because like when nick pulled the trigger on that deal for instance there was no turning back he had to raise that money yeah otherwise they were going to basically lose a deposit like they they were going to hefty deposit get themselves in a heap of crap yeah yeah and like it, it and that's not definitely an that's not yeah. like in canada where yeah you may get your deposit back down there you don't get your escrow back if you, no, you walk, don't, you get, you don't, there's you no You won't get, get it, it back. back. I found like, I actually just went through this in Florida. Like you can get released from a contract and prevent yourself from getting sued. But yeah, you're probably not getting the deposit back. No. So it's slightly different. I had to release a guy who didn't close on my property for only five grand. I would have loved to take a bigger piece, but right. anyways, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and we would all like to take a bigger piece, right? Yeah. So, no, goals are interesting. So, you know, when I was coaching, it was always, your goal is always built in. You don't have to go. Your goal is a championship every year, mm-hmm. right? So that is already built for you. It's how you get to that goal. Yeah. So it's it's, <laughs> it's the milestones you set before there, right? Yeah. What's the quote that <clears throat> people underestimate what they can do in ten years and overestimate what they can do in one? Yeah. So you just it needs to be more structured. That's right. So I call them runway goals and then mm-hmm. and then takeoff goals, mm-hmm. right? So your runway goal is your long your long yeah. play, it's a long way, but you have your takeoff goals to get to get going, right? So mm-hmm. your takeoff goals are, okay, we actually broke it down in the season, we broke it down by quarter. Like, mm-hmm. so first to 25, first to 50, first to 75, first to 100, you're, we're gonna win the game. Mm-hmm. Like every time that we hit that, we won the game. Okay. We were first to 25. Yeah. And it was just my player's mentality, like boom, got that one. Get to the next one. Get to yeah. the next one. Get to the next one. So with with real estate, I've kind of incorporated that, and then it was game by game by game. Get mm-hmm. you to a championship, right? Um, in real estate, it's it, you got to have little goals, little wins, and you got to celebrate those little wins. I don't think, you know, sometimes we don't celebrate the wins, the tiny wins, because yeah. they're sometimes they're heartbreaking. Even the wins, right? Like yeah. I sold this property, I wanted to make one hundred fifty thousand, I only made seventy five. 
How do you celebrate them though? For me, I'm just like a little, a little jaded on sales because I've had in my real estate career, I've had multiple deals that were firm that didn't close. I think on 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 both sides, actually. I, I totally yeah. agree with you on that. So it's, it's like it's, it's not until saying. that money's in my account, but at that time, to your point before, I've already spent it in my head. That's right. It's like, ah, oh, it's old news. That's right. <laughs> right. I got spent that a long time ago. But I think celebrating the wins, yeah, you know, in real estate's different than obviously celebrating them in athletics. In athletics, it's like buzzer goes, you win the game. You're there's an automatic release a joy that you won um but in real estate it's like okay now what am i going to do like what's the next one or you have multiple going on at one time yeah oh it's a relief that this one is done now i can just focus on these other ones so i think like for 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 us celebrating my wife and i we we always try to do one thing special together or separate like spa day golf, golf game um you know go out somewhere with the kids whatever we just try to do something to say this one's done we we won't we won this one like let's celebrate mm-hmm. um she's really good at, at keeping me grounded like that uh but you're right it's hard it's mm-hmm. hard and then the developments it's re- like you have to celebrate the little wins so you get approval all right let's go yeah. let's take the team out to dinner that's that's something right very concrete that you can celebrate. yeah and like okay we have our we have our financing yeah. let's go celebrate yeah. right like there's things that you have to set little goals to get to your big goals and and you know a little goal for for me is one thing I changed. I went to a conference in Miami um, in May, and it it really changed the way how I how I see things. And and um, you know I'm paying to get into bigger rooms now, right? I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. Yeah, I'm with you on on being the uh, the dumbest guy in the room or the least accomplished. Like, yeah. if you're not in rooms like that, that rooms that make you feel uncomfortable. That's right you you won't really advance to that higher level and and that's one of the things i've i feel so grateful for in recent history is just like even what we're doing with the camp like i'm like my three other partners like we're all high achievers Mm -hmm. i'd say i'm probably at the the lower end of the high achieving rung there and it's great to just be around them all the time and always talking and yeah and uh you know the people i meet like you know you like through this podcast and through through the you know the golf tournament and such like the time we spend together, like the the thinking, the like it it puts us in this bubble where we almost don't know, or I almost wasn't even aware that there's this this bubble of people that have a very you know gross mentality mm-hmm. and, and not productive, yeah. and it's like that's so far away from from the sphere that I have, and uh, that I truly truly appreciate. So getting into rooms like this, mm-hmm. what you know, what's that look like for you? So it's a whole different world. It's a financial yeah. world, and I'm not a financial yeah. guy, yeah. right? And so it it's great. Like it's it's basically how to, how to scale developments essentially. Yeah. Um. You know, it's through funds and and whatnot, and looking at starting a fund down in the U.S. to uh, help build sustainable development down in Florida area. So that's what what do they want for sustainable sustainable uh, like low like, low energy consumption? Yeah. Like I think that I think that yeah. developing with you know, that in mind. I don't think that they want necessarily want that, but it's like, okay, we're going to develop with, you know, we'll, we'll geothermal. Well, okay. more sustainable. We're going to okay. use this this expandable living system to create mm-hmm. affordability. Like when I, you know, I th- when everybody talks about affordable housing, they talk, they think that affordable housing is subsidized government housing. Well, if I can create for a young professional an opportunity for him to get into the market at three hundred ninety nine thousand dollars on a, a four hundred square foot apartment that feels like 
800 square feet, he's in the market. Mm -hmm. And that creates housing. Every time that he levels up, that opens up housing. So yeah. I've created five levels of housing by getting one guy mm -hmm. into the market. Or you you build a luxury home, you've created five levels of housing because every when somebody buys that luxury home, yeah. they're leveling up, right? And I think that creating housing and allowing people to get into the market at a, at a lower level is part of the sustainability process. Yeah. Um, but one thing I tried to change, and it's really been a game changer for me is, you know, everybody talks about this whole great morning routine. Like I get up at 5 a.m., I go to the gym, I do this. And I'm like, well, do you have two kids under three? No, you don't. <laughs> so you can do that. But yeah, um, I don't I don't envy anybody who, you know, or begrudge anybody who doesn't. Uh, yeah. But you can't have a good morning routine without a good night routine. Yeah. So if you're like, if I know for me, if I'm up past 1030, I struggle to get up before six. Like it's yeah. just not. Like yeah. it's like, it's not happening, right? Mm -hmm. So my thing is I stopped watching TV during the week. Nice. I do not turn it on. And I was a big TV guy. Like I loved shows. I would binge watch shows and I had a tough time turning them off. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a big reader. We talked about this off camera. Yeah. That, it, that I'd rather listen to a book, but even still, it's still hard for me to listen to a book. I like getting pumped yeah. up when I'm in my car and listening to good music and singing or whatever, doing whatever, right? But it's uh it's really i started reading a little bit more at night and and whether it's 10 to 15 minutes it's just yeah it helps it helps right yeah so my night my nighttime my wife always makes fun of me because i'm one of those guys that has to shower every night before i go to bed like if i don't i won't sleep well yeah it's like clockwork right like it has to happen so my nighttime routine has changed right so i don't watch tv i you know with our son now is staying up a little bit later, so he's going to bed around 8.30, 9 o'clock. Um, I'll take the dogs after we put down the nine-month-old for a walk and then come back and we get him to bed and I have a shower and by that time it's like 9.30 and it's like, go to bed. Go to bed. I'm in bed by that. I'm, I mean, we try and get to, get to bed and now it's like the sun's still up. It's a beautiful evening. We should be outside. Right? We're like, close the curtains. Let's get in <laughs> bed. Let's try and get to sleep before, uh, before nine 30. Because, uh, as I told you off camera, it's like every morning depends on the week. We're somewhere between four 30 to five 30 yeah. wake up for the day. So it will get better. Yeah. It will get better. But yeah, yeah. so that makes it tough though. <laughs> it yeah. does. So, yeah. you know, like it's, it, it, part of it is, yeah. and it's been a game changer for my business. Um, it's allowed me to focus. You know, I, I try to do, Basically, I have two days in a day. Well, you could call it three days in one day. So, uh, you know, my my six to, to noon is one day. My noon to six, noon to 4.30, essentially, is a second day. And then my, my evenings are a third day. So my third day is family, mm -hmm. right? My noon to six is anything that I need to get done, whether it's picking up my son from daycare, getting some stuff done. And my wife pointed this out, that you are... If you're sitting in front of your computer at two o'clock, you're going to crash, which is how I am, mm. right? I get a lot more work done in the morning at the computer, yeah. doing things because I'm more attentive, I'm more ready to go. Yeah, I'm I get, very morning oriented myself. I get, yeah, like come 11 o'clock, I start to get antsy. She'll notice, like I'll yeah, come, I, out, come out of the office, I'll, yeah, get me I'll pick here. something out of the fridge, I'll do this, I'll, I'll kind of prolong some stuff. Um, that's just my way my body works. Yeah, And so we kind of, I'm trying try to break it up where it's like, morning computer work, afternoon, anything that has to be get done around, you know, the business in terms of active mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and then evening, family. 
Yeah. Right. My son just started riding his bike, so it's we're out there all crazy, so it's fun. Oh, awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Uh, ben, just like, because I know we're kind of coming up to the end of this, um, like context of like the development deals you're working on. I know you were, you were hitting me up for messages about Southwest Florida development yeah. down there. Is, yeah, that, yeah. is that something that you're, you're trying to do right now? Yeah. I'm heading down there next week, actually. Is that like the Tampa, St. Petersburg area? We're going to actually, yeah, well, I, we're going north of Tampa all the way down to Fort Myers. That's what we're looking right okay, now. Okay. So you're anywhere in that. And, um, what are you looking for? Are you looking to, to build, you know, a bunch of, of uh, condo houses or an uh, HOA kind of thing? I think like I'm not, so I got asked this question yesterday too. I don't have a mm -hmm. set what I want, right? We evaluate land, how we evaluate land. And if it makes sense mm -hmm. to, to do there, we'll take the highest and best use that we can do on that land. And if we're able to make some money doing that, then we'll we'll approach the project. And how do you like? What's your quick back of the envelope uh, evaluation? Do you have one for land? Like, I do. So you're just you're perusing through the listings, and something catches your eye. What causes it to catch your eye? Water. Water. Okay. Water is always a big one. If you, whether it's a lake, whether it's yeah. close to the ocean, whether it's a river. But is there a dollar? Like I know I've. And I don't know the exact number, but I talked to some uh, some guys in planning uh, for Valor, and they had a dollar per square foot that they were looking for uh, buildable per a dollar yeah. per buildable square foot. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's interesting because up here it's way different than down there. Yeah. So like I have to kind of I get excited. Forty acres down there cost two hundred forty thousand or two hundred or sorry two point four million. Forty acres up here is going to cost you twenty four yeah. million. Yeah. Right. Lots so. Your, your mentality is is different. So we're really, I'm so new down there that I don't have that dollar per square foot yet mm -hmm. um, because it's, I, I don't know it down yeah. there, right? But we're looking at different opportunities, whether it's uh, RV parks, whether it's, um, you know, single family homes, whether it's- All from development standpoint? Yeah, okay. ground up, right? And whether it's yeah. a uh, townhouse complex. Yeah. Right? So whether it's a luxury condo on the golf, Mm -hmm. Right, we're looking at everything, and I think that it's important. And to this is because you want to you want to move your investing down south. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So that is the the greater plan. Like you'll finish off what's here, maybe still do stuff here, but the focus will be more on growing down there. I think we'll always have one going on in Canada. Yeah. Um, for the foreseeable future, uh, I I I do think that what we're going to be doing in Canada, the the mentality we have of creating. The housing and and the usable space that i envision mm -hmm. um will serve the canadian population very well okay uh but in terms of feasibility yeah down there's and give me give me an idea like if if you're going to look at a deal on surface value ballpark numbers hey i could buy it for this i could you know okay put in another so, x yeah and right. it'd be worth so what we're looking at 30 acres in Denellen, florida right okay. so potential there is it's right now it's zoned for single family homes mm -hmm. uh so let's say we can get 100 single family homes there will cost us two hundred thousand to build those single family homes and we can sell them for 400,000. That's okay. what I look at, right? We, we look and at what we, are you paying for the land? 1.5. 1.5, so if you divide that over all the lots, it's 15 grand on top. So yeah, you're, you're getting a, your margin is almost 50%. That's right. Yeah. So 
less your interest in carrying costs. Yeah, right. Yeah. But quick math. But like quick you're math, like, you're you're like, there's okay, some meat there's on the some, bone there. Yeah, like so for me, when I do a quick math, it has to be a double digit so, margin. So if you're going to package that up and take it to a group of investors, you're going to say, here's the deal. Here's my management fee, which is my salary built in. Mm -hmm. Here's my profit share in the deal. Mm -hmm. And how much are you cutting people in on something like that? So right now with the fund that we're going to be starting, it's going to be an 80-20 waterfall. Right, so what they'll waterfall get, mean? So it's just the way that it gets um, paid out, right? So you'll start with an eight percent preferential return, so eight percent preferred. Uh, okay, annual and return. then everything after, and then we'll do a two percent catch up for the GP, and then the LP will take eighty percent after that, and the GP will get twenty percent after that. Oh, okay. So you as the general partner, do you have to put in any money to get that twenty percent, or that's just for being GP? You can also buy LP shares, though. That's right. Yeah. I mean, my I can create a different company to buy LP shares. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you wouldn't do it directly. No. no. Yeah. So yeah, that's okay. that's kind of how that works, right? So, and the reason why you do an eighty twenty is eighty percent twenty. Like up here, when you do a syndication, it's really you're doing fifty fifty a lot of the times. Yeah. But down there, when you have multiple projects in the pipeline mm -hmm. and multiple people, yeah. you want to say, I want to say to you, Andrew, here's a, here's the problem right now is affordability in this district here, we're looking at opportunity zones and like everywhere, right? This is what we're doing. We're creating 150 modular homes on this property. Uh, we're gonna double your money in five years. Yeah. On top of that, we're gonna put this, this A, B, C, and D into this fund. Mm -hmm. We're gonna double your money every five years. Put it in for 10. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I mean, so if you're doing it on an individual deal, like the other thing like Nick did, because he did 70, 30, but he kept the 70. That's a lot. Wow. <laughs> like 30 to the wow. investors. But they had to bring in strategic partner and like they had, they had like he's not actually getting No, no, that. the yeah. GP's getting 30. Yeah, yeah. Or 70 and the LP was getting 30. Yeah, the LP was getting 30, but on the GP side, there was a bunch of people taking a, taking yeah. a chunk and, of that. And a lot of syndications, they're, they're more skewed towards the working team, right? Mm -hmm. The percentage well, is going towards working in, in team. In the US is the is the difference there because I've talked to guys who who operate on both sides of the border and they're like, yeah, in Canada, you can do 50-50 all day. Uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons I think Nick was able to do what he's done is mm -hmm. like he's raising in Canada. Yeah. And, and you know, you can sell a different, a different model, but in the States, like the mentality is different mm -hmm. and, and they just say, so what? Like, you know, this is what we want. But it, it all comes down to where you're fishing. That's right. Because if you're fishing in the pond of people who are highly sophisticated, yeah, they're going to say, no, I can get this you know, over here. That's right. But if you're fishing, you know, with, you know, your sphere, your network in Canada or even down there that aren't sophisticated, the expectation isn't there. Yeah. One yeah. of the things I found in Canada is that it's the money, like there's a lot of money here in Canada, but mm -hmm. they don't, but people don't want to lend it per se. Yeah. They're more reserved. They want, a little like you have a handful i mean in our network we have significant dollars that are available and people are i'm not saying they're they're easy to to get the money but down in the u.s there's so many people with so much money and they live off of their investment dividends they yeah. live off their investment cash flow they yeah. their salary is whatever it's it's mm -hmm. it's secondary to what they're making yeah. on their investments and in canada as we said earlier they don't Canadians don't have that mentality. It's my salary is my life. Yeah, yeah. Right. Whereas in in the U.S., it's my salary will get me the ability to yeah. invest and become rich. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think uh, 
you know, one of the big takeaways people should have from this episode is just like, at some point you're, you're going to have to look at what you want yeah, and, and decide, is it worth burning down any potential of going back to the old way of doing things so that you could replace it with the new way of doing things? Now, I'm not recommending that because that's dangerous and only an individual, you know, somebody watching this can decide if that's right for them. But like, listen, I've seen people do it. That's my point. The ones that I've seen do it, it's like, it's a sink or swim mm -hmm. situation. And God, like, does anyone really want to put themselves into that? But why do they? They do it for a reason. They do it There's because of, of the why. They yeah. do it because of that. So would it, your, it, here's, yeah. here's a question for you. Yeah. Would your, would your $100,000 self hire your $10,000 self? Would your million dollar self hire your hundred thousand dollar self? Interesting question. <laughs> Would your hundred million dollar self hire your ten thousand dollar self? I mean, it's all the same at the end of the day. It's just a matter of your ten. Can your ten thousand dollar self make you? Your ten thousand dollar self mentality make you a hundred million dollars? Not the mentality. And that's what no. that's what the question is. Yeah. It's like you have to fire yourself to get to the next level. Yeah. So like you said, you burn the bridge, sorry, you burn the bridge behind you. Yeah. So you can't go back. That's a Napoleon Hill quote, by the way. I didn't didn't make that up, but hey, yeah. I, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the think and grow rich mentality. Um yeah, like it's at at the end of the day, um same input gets same output. Yeah. So we know our habits. It's hard to change. Yeah. In the only way that people really change is if there's something that rocks them. Like you lost your job, it rocked you, it changed your life. I've had career changes multiple times. I've been an entrepreneur for the better part of what, like 13 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and in that time, I've learned how to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know how. Yeah. And I got rocked many times. <laughs> I, you can't, I always tell people this is that you, you can't be afraid of failure, yeah. but you have to be afraid of failure. It's true. Right, you can't you can't be paralyzed by it. That's, you should have a healthy fear of it. That's right. Yeah. Like fear, the fear drives you mm -hmm. to be better. And you know, if you can be better than you were yesterday, that's why I love golf. Like golf, people don't like. My wife sometimes doesn't understand why I love golf so much and why I'm obsessed about it. Mm -hmm. But it's very simple. I'm trying to beat myself every time. I'm yeah. trying to be better than I was yesterday. Is that working for you? <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while it does. But but you know, but it's that you it's the 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 optimism of you stepping up to yeah. the first tee and having that ability. To, I'm gonna be better today than I was yesterday. Yeah. Right? And I think that mentality itself allows you to be successful in in life and in business yeah it's all you got to do and that's all i expect out of my employees it's like we're not going to hold you to a standard of somebody else we're gonna we're gonna hold you to are you getting better than you were is your attitude getting better than it was yesterday like that's, right. that's all that matters because yeah. if each day you get better then nothing else matters and as a coach you know that's true more than anybody like that's like the most necessary thing because mm -hmm. you can't compare two players to each other you got to let them just compare themselves to themselves and get better yeah, one of the things I always ask my guys at the end of every practice, did we get better today? Yeah. You like uh, psycho-cybernetics. Talks yeah. about that. Have you read that? No. You should. Yeah, I'll, I'll it that, specifically talks about, uh, about like there's an example of a basketball coach and what he did and uh, you'd, you'd appreciate it. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, Ben, where do people reach you? Uh, Instagram, Coach Ben Julius uh, is probably the best way to reach me. Uh, my website is www.lionheart.co. Sorry, lionheartdevelopment.co. Okay. Um, 
My email, my contact information is on there. I'm always open to a discussion with anybody. So just reach out if you have any questions and uh, I'd love to help anybody out that I can. Cool. And any other tidbits you wanted to give that we hadn't covered? Nah, just be better than you were yesterday. I like it. Okay, so we're going to do an REI Hot Seat episode now. Anyone who wants to check that out, it's on the channel at the REI Hot, at REI Hot Seat Perfect. on YouTube. Perfect. Okay. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.